Hi, I'm Whitney Lee, founder of Socially PR and Digital Media, and for over a decade, I've been creating and executing marketing and PR plans for businesses all over the U.S. I'm obsessed with helping entrepreneurs bring their big ideas to life and most importantly, boost their bottom line. The Socially Relevant Podcast is a resource to give you clarity, ideas, and inspiration that you can actually apply to marketing your business. So you won't find any overwhelming tech talk here. We're breaking down all the details in a way that's fun and easy to understand, giving you tangible ways to take action. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, welcome back for another episode. Today, I've got an expert coming to you about social media. I'm really excited to introduce to you, Eric Hansen. Hey, Eric, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me out with you. Of course. Um, so, Eric, I would love to know a little bit about you. I know you're a big social media guy and a consultant and all the way up in Minnesota. So tell us a little bit about you and who you are, what you do. All the way up in Minnesota, yeah. I uh, uh, Some people think we're in Canada, actually. I am an independent social media consultant. I've been doing that for the last uh, 13 years. Um, I work uh, mostly with mid-sized and large companies, uh, mostly based in the Twin Cities, but sometimes outside of Minnesota. Um, and my work usually revolves around uh, strategy and audit work, uh, content marketing, or training um, are usually the three buckets. Um, I also am an adjunct professor at the University of St. Thomas, which is a smaller uh, Catholic school up here in Minnesota, although they are Division One now. Um, so that takes up a little bit of my time on the side. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Very cool. So for as part of your consultancy, are you more in an advisory role, like for an, a company that probably already has like a content team and you're helping them know how to build the content and what to say? You're not actually like doing, setting up the content and the posts yourself? Yeah, no, I do. I do both. We do both. Um, okay, awesome. On the content side, I will uh, advise in some situations, but uh, in most of the cases, actually, I'm, I am the one producing the content. So uh, that's, uh, you know, part of the gig for sure. Very cool. Okay. So uh, everybody listening, I'll give you a little context. I met Eric because he was one of our uh, breakout session speakers at the recent FPRA conference. For anyone who doesn't know what FPRA is, it's Florida Public Relations Association. So we have 1,200 PR people from all over the state. Uh, and we always get together every year in August for the big annual conference. So he was one of the speakers there. And honestly, I feel like he was probably my favorite speaker of the entire week. Um, because he spoke on social media and he did a really cool presentation um, about trends in social media. And um, he hit us with a lot of data, but I'm a big data nerd. So of course I loved it. And I asked him to come on the show to kind of give you guys some of the knowledge that he shared with us. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's kind of how we met. And Eric, I'm excited to hear, you know, um, you know, again, some of these stats that you brought forward. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for that. I appreciate that. There were there weren't a lot of sessions on social media at the conference, as you know. So I think I was probably the only one that was like strictly focused on social. So um, we have that in common. Um, although there were a couple other sessions that I enjoyed. The one on accessibility, if you remember, if you went to that one, was pretty interesting. I thought uh, there's a couple other ones that were interesting too in our world. Yeah. 
Um, well, when it comes to trends, yeah, um, I the presentation talked about uh, a number of trends. We don't, I know we don't have the you know the time to go through all of them, but uh, I thought I'd just pick out a few of them that probably are interesting and relevant to probably most of the listeners. Um, first and foremost, uh, this idea of using uh, fewer links and more. Uh, on-platform content. That's a, a, a big trend that I see a lot of. Um, I do a lot of these, like I said, the outside, I do a lot of these audits for companies. And usually what I see when I do the audit, one of the big themes that comes through is a lot of the posts are have a URL in the, the post, the social post. So obviously they're trying to drive traffic to a site. So that's like, okay, let's see how those are doing. And the engagement scores by and large on those kinds of posts is usually very low. So then I think, well, that's fine. It's designed to drive traffic, right? So let's see how the traffic's doing. Let me see, uh, can you give me access to your Google Analytics to see how much so traffic social's referring? And quite often what we'll see when we look at the Google Analytics is that social's driving very little traffic. It's usually organic search, number one, or direct. Uh, paid search is usually up there, referral traffic, maybe even email traffic, and then social, like way down at the bottom. So, um, that's pretty pervasive, I would say, across our industry. If you look at a lot of the companies that are doing social media marketing, a lot of them include links. So then it's like, well, I don't, a lot of times the te the social teams aren't really paying attention to, like, is it really working? Because it's kind of old hat for people, uh, management to say, hey, we should throw a link in there. Let's try to drive traffic. Well, if it's not working, why are we doing it? Um, at the same time, you have all the social platforms are saying, basically screaming saying, hey, we don't want your, we don't want our people to leave the platform on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram. We want them to stay. So they make it glaringly obvious that they do not want companies to drive traffic off their website. So it, let's recap very quickly. Like you have the results from your company usually are telling you that it's not working. The platforms are telling you they do not want you to go off site. So it's kind of one of those things that's it seems obvious actually, but um, we'll probably see more of it in the years ahead. This switch from like trying to drive traffic with social to just keeping people on the platforms themselves. Yeah. What's funny is that you hit the nail on the head. Like our clients pressure us a lot of like, why isn't there a call to action with every single post? Every single post should have a call to action. And I'm like, sometimes the call to action is comment below about your favorite destination you've ever visited or whatever, you know, depending on the client. But they, but it's so powerful to go back to a client with this kind of data and show them, hey, you know what? If you if you really want us to do this, we will, but it's not going to give you the result you want. So they can fight with me all day long about my opinion because they'll tell me I'm, you know, I'm wrong or whatever. Okay, I've been doing this for 12, 13 years. Cool. But when the data tells them they are wrong, then at least, you know, people like us and probably people listening to this podcast at least uh, the data doesn't lie, right? When you take that kind of data to your client and say, hey, we'll slam a link on every single post if you really want us to, but this is what the data says. So it's like the ultimate trump card. Yes. And it's, it's about reframing expectations. Like, again, I, we, a lot of the people that we work with um, have been programmed to think that social drives traffic. And without paid support, which we haven't really talked about, but with paid support, it can work. But without that, it's really not going to do that. And like, I could point to any number of audits over the last number of years to tell me that. So it's reframing expectations to think, okay, it's not going to drive traffic, 
but it can do all these other things like you alluded to with driving awareness, driving engagement, driving user-generated content, whatever the case may be. There's lots of other stuff it can do. Traffic, forget that for now. Like it's not going to do that organically. I've gotten to where honestly, like, and I'd love your two cents on this. For most of our posting, we have like an 80-20 rule where 80% is no link. 20% of the time we will pop like a bit.ly in there. And if it's appropriate with whatever we're posting, we'll mm-hmm. pop like a trackable bit.ly in there. And I mean, sometimes we do. I mean, we had a client recently, a huge um, uh, sailing client. They're based out of the Maldives it's called Star Clippers. We popped a bit.ly link just on their Facebook posts on a handful of them and got 400 clicks to their website. So like, Every now and then, it's just like you got to monitor it and see. Yeah. See, and every page is different. Every client is different. Like, yeah. you know, but 80 20 is kind of my rule of like, I'm not, you know, 80% no link, 20% with a link. That's not a bad rule. I mean, and you're right. It's not every client, right? So, like, when I say links aren't working, it's like, it's not everybody. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, look at your, st- like you said, look at your stats, look at your numbers. You tell me, like, um, I'm just saying, generally speaking, we don't see that producing the results we want to. And I think uh-huh. reframing expectations is probably the, the, the modus operandi right now. Totally. That's a great one. Um, let's see. Another one I, uh, I thought we could talk about would be this uh, concept of executives getting a little bit more li- real on LinkedIn. Um, we've seen this is a kind of a hot button topic because a lot of people are are trying to get a lot of comms people like us are trying to get their executives on LinkedIn more regularly, right? That's a big challenge to have time. Um, they don't see the value in it, stuff like that. But the last couple of years, we've seen more of them jump on, right? Because the pandemic kind of forced it in a way, like right? it became a key communications channel that, that people were paying attention to. We know more people are spending time on LinkedIn, including employees. Um, so there, it, just, it was sitting there waiting to be capitalized upon. However, there's still a number of executives that just aren't like uh, that or a comp, maybe even comms teams that aren't quite uh, haven't figured out yet. And w- what it comes down to is that the, what people really want from executives, whether it's, whether it's existing employees, prospective employees, which is a big audience, customers, partners, whoever the audience is, is they just want these leaders to be a little bit more human and real and authentic on LinkedIn. And a lot of times what we see is like executives going through the playbook of, the corporate communications playbook, right? Like posting, basically repurposing press releases or repurposing some announcement they made internally. And it's like, people don't want that. Like I worked in internal communications earlier in my life and I can tell you, people didn't want that 15 years ago, let alone now. Like they for sure don't want it now. And they definitely didn't want it 15 years ago. So this human element needs to come through. So like, what does that look like in person? This guy by the name of Ed Bastion, who's the CEO of Delta Airlines. Like, if you look up his profile on LinkedIn, like he does a pretty good job. He definitely promotes Delta a lot, right, in his profile. But every once in a while, he'll mix in a very personal post that has nothing to do with getting more people on Delta planes. So, uh, one uh, post that comes to mind was he took his daughter to college last year, University of Georgia. So, there's an experience that most people on earth, right, in the US, I should say, can identify with, right? A lot of people have kids, children, and all, most of those people, or not most, but a lot of those people will take those kids to college at some point. Like you can, you can, you can relate to that. He's a CEO, but hey, he's taken his kid to college just like I did, you know? So there's a little bit of a human connectedness to it um, there. Or 
there's a guy by the name of Jeff Martha, who is the CEO of an organization, a med tech firm named Medtronic, which is based up here in Minneapolis. If you look him up too on LinkedIn, another great example. Like he, again, promotes Medtronic a fair amount, but he's also weaving in these more personal posts of him um, sweaty and running with these two buddies of his and talking about the importance of running and how that relates to the uh, you know leadership in the workplace. He's talking about uh, skating with his uh, alumni hockey team at Penn State University where he went to school. Like those are not the kinds of posts we generally see executives making, but those are the kinds of posts that are resonating on LinkedIn with people now because they want more of that real human connectedness. And then the last one I'll throw out is for those people that might know Sarah Blakely, she's the CEO of Spanx, hugely popular. Um, if you pay attention to LinkedIn, on LinkedIn at all, you probably know her, but she's like absolutely the case study out there where she's posting um, all this kinds of authentic content. Her One of her go-tos is the coffee cup shot where she'll have these motivational phrases on a coffee cup. And then she relates it to female entrepreneurship or, you know, in a, just inspirational stuff. But, uh, you know, every once in a while, she'll throw in one of her, like, I remember she had one recently where uh, she's talking about being a mo working mom and she has this post of her with her kids on her couch and she's got her jammies on, she's got makeup on, the kids are climbing all over. And it's like, how many executives do you know that would really make that post? But, you know, then you look at the engagement metrics and it's like 20,000 likes and like, you know, 5,000 comments and most of it's positive. Yeah. Yeah. Real and isn't it interesting? Like over the last, gosh, five to ten years, like the highlights on the CEO of the company have. I mean, we're all up in their business now. We're we're talking about Jeff Bezos' divorce. We're talking about you know Steve Jobs passing away. We're talking about mm -hmm. Elon Musk. Like we are all up in his personal life. But I think people want to know who's behind the brand, mm -hmm. you know. And people in general, even if you own a small business, maybe you're not an Elon Musk you want a small business, people want to do business with people that they feel like they know, you know, Yeah. this whole unapproachable, big, badass CEO thing. Like, I think people are just, that's, that's not relatable. Nobody wants to, you know, connect with that. It's a shift. I, I always make the point. They should start, they need to insert a class into MBA training or whatever kind of training or advanced degrees the executives are getting these days. And like, get them to understand this. Cause like, it feels like they don't get it at all because when we talk, when people like you and I talk to them, it's like, they look at us like we're crazy. And it's like, what are you talking, what earth are you living on? Like, this is what, this is the operating rules of 2022. And it's not changing. It's not like we're going to go back to the old ways. No, the old ways are gone. This is how it works now. And people want to, to know more about you. So get used to it. Like that's the way it's going to be now. Yeah. And you got to give them a little, little sliver of something. Or some social proof. You know, show them some of the right. again, like sometimes that they question our opinion, but again, when you have social proof to back it up, like yeah. at least you've got some data is everything. So, yes, no question about it. Uh, number three, I would say, uh, and this is an interesting one too, because um, there's a couple of interesting examples here. This, this concept of engagement at all costs on Twitter seems to be the way a lot of brands are going, but. Where I tend to think it's going to go in the year ahead is this, this con Twitter is going to be really all about brand love. So I think back to earlier this year, there was a, a Pabst Blue Ribbon tweet. Um, if people may remember that, that talks about uh, not drinking this January, try eating expletive, you know, and the tweet got all sorts of engagement. Um, it crossed over to mainstream media. It got all sorts, you know, just from an awareness point of view, 
crushing, right? However, social media manager got fired. PBR didn't think it was funny. He apparently had the social media manager apparently just done this off the cuff because he was looking for creative ways to raise engagement, which it did. So the ironic thing is he got fired for doing something that worked. Um, however, it was really an engagement at all costs approach because it was, it was crude. It was offensive to some people. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the way it's going. There's also a uh, radio shack. If you've heard of what they're doing on Twitter, I'm not going to really talk about that much because it's pretty wildly offensive, especially to women. Yeah. Um, but you can look that up if you're interested in what they're doing very much a engagement at all costs strategy. I don't think that's where it's going to go. You see these things pop up. What seems to make more sense to me is this uh, a more pragmatic approach around brand love. So again, I go back to the link approach, right? Like a lot of brands are still trying to draft traffic on LinkedIn or on uh, Twitter. And like that just typically is not working. Like Twitter is not a traffic driver. And it's not really a conversation channel anymore, right? Like we used to have conversations on link on Twitter, but no one wants to do that anymore either. But what they do want to do is just hit that like button if you're a brand. So like John Deere is a good example of this. John Deere, you know, a very old uh, storied uh, brand based in Iowa, you know, Iowa. And they crush it on Twitter because that's all they're going after. It's very clear that that's all they're going after. So they'll use user-generated content or some of these um, farmer visuals paired with these little, you know, snarky, not snarky, but like little brand headlines that are, very, very on brand for Twitter, but also on brand for John Deere speaking to farmers. And they get tons of likes and engagement because again, one goal, they're not trying to do everything. They're trying to do one thing and that's get people to hit that like button. And Wendy's for a while, Wendy's was really crushing it on Twitter with like mm -hmm. these hilarious comebacks for like people that are hating on them. But, uh, and you're so right about Twitter. Like I've really actually been like, soul searching and admittedly Twitter is my least favorite social media platform out there mm -hmm. because I just don't like you said like it's not a conversation tool it's not driving traffic it, it's it, like what what's what's it best served for I feel like it's it's brands um it's sports updates and it's news yeah and other than that like what what is you know, and so for a lot of our clients, right. especially if they're being budget conscious when they're hiring us, a lot of times Twitter is the first thing on the chopping block because it just like literally doesn't move the needle for them. Yeah, it's an easy one to it's an easy one to chop too because take, it's kind of time consuming. It can be, mm -hmm. so I could see that, but uh, I just think if you relegate it to like a single purpose like that, you know, it also there's also like I've always worked with clients too in the past where it's like let's use it as a media relations tool so it's not really so much about raising brand awareness but it's like interacting with media to get us more you know placements like that can work too so that's actually a great angle because I will say that that's the one reason why I haven't completely fallen off Twitter myself is because journalists are using Twitter because it's totally. news related so like when I need to get with a journalist I don't go through Instagram or Facebook right. Facebook to right. me that's like invasive that's like their personal right. life their kids that kind of thing instagram yeah. is like <clears throat> not really where they're at either it's like so if i need a journalist i go to twitter so yeah. it's the only thing that's got me hanging on yeah no question about that that's a big one i would say uh the last trend i i, I, uh, I thought we'd talk about is this notion of getting back to community in 2023 um the stats we've seen, I've seen recently are kind of uh, pointing me this way. For example, uh, 
According to HubSpot, 64% of marketers plan to invest in social media communities in the year ahead. More than half of marketers plan to build more social media communities in the year ahead. So like the stats are telling us that. Um, there was also a, a nice chart I saw on a website called Marketing Charts. If you've heard of that, um, a great website to just pay attention to every, every now and then. Um, they had a chart that talked about uh, you know consumers' brand engagement on social media. And, it's, and there was, they asked people uh, what statements they strongly agree with or strongly disagree with. And 48% of the, the respondents strongly agreed with the, the fact that read, they read social media comments to learn what others are saying about the brand. Um, 45% strongly agreed that they believe it's important for brands to respond to community to comments on social media. So like people are paying attention to the comments big time. Um, but yet we see so many brands go through the motions of like, they're so focused on posting content and then just, then they don't want to engage really at all. They might engage the few customer service might engage the few people, but really they're not interested in engaging. Um, but people, ex- they pay attention to that and they expect it. They expect a response. Um, often they respect the response uh, more quickly than you might think too. So I think this trend of getting back towards community is going to be a big one because it can enable brands to cultivate referrals and recommendations on a more regular basis. It is great for customer retention, which as we know is far cheaper and more affordable than than acquiring new customers. And it can also fuel insights and innovation. So a couple examples I'll throw out uh, Peloton. So my guess is you have a few listeners that are, are probably Peloton riders. I'm talking myself. There you go. Right. So, and it, they may or may not be subscribed to Peloton's private Facebook community. So they have this great Facebook community, private Facebook community that's devoted to Peloton riders. And again, I'm reading, I don't not, I don't work for Peloton. I'm, they're not a client, whatever. But my guess is that sole intent of that community is to increase, uh, get people to, to ride the bike more, right? It's customer retention. And they do a great job of just kind of showing up in the feed every once in a while. If you look, if you look at that community page, if you remember that, of that uh, Facebook page, there's just tons of activity on it. Like, you know, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 posts a day and tons of engagement, right? So, and, and, and they're not in there like responding to every comment or anything, but they're showing up every once in a while. That's all they need to do, right? They just facilitate the discussion, respond to things once in a while, you know, smoke out people that are, that are being super negative, which never happens on that page. Um, and that's about it. And, and, and they just do a wonderful job of that. So that's one great example. Um, there's also a community, uh, another, uh, again, another private Facebook group uh, for a company called Inspire Sleep up here in Minneapolis, based up here in Minneapolis. And they insert uh, this medical technology in your body to help with sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. And so as you can imagine, that, you know, is probably a little bit of a frightening procedure to insert something into your body that would potentially help you with sleep apnea, but you know, that can be scary. Yeah. So they have this private Facebook community that kind of helps uh, patients or customers uh, walk through that journey together, right? Like people talk about their procedure, they talk about the prep, they talk about what happens after, and that helps uh, massage fears, that helps uh, people uh, get answers to common questions they might have. And again, the brand's not like, uh, you know, super involved. They're just kind of moderating discussion every once in a while. They throw a post up there, a very loose post up there every once in a while. And again, it's more of a 
this isn't really like a customer retention angle, but it's more of like a, let's get the patients and customers to answer questions that we could do, but it would take us a long time to do it or more effort to do it, you know? So the customers and the patients are really doing the work for the brand in this case, which efficiency, right? So I think there's some, there's, this kind of gets at this whole, this whole other macro trend of like social media becoming much more privatized. Like it's not really public social media is not nearly as popular as private social media, right? Facebook groups, Slack, all these different channels that are, that are quote unquote private um, are, are just quietly taking over from public social media, really, in terms of marketing. So how do we insert ourselves into those discussions? Well, this is one way you can do it. Yeah. So when you say like these communities, are you mainly referring like Facebook groups? I mean, obviously now there's like Slack channels and things like that, but I guess. Those are big ones too, yeah. Yeah. People are finding out about the Slack channels through Facebook or other social media platforms. Uh, But, you know, Facebook groups are insane right now. Um, Yeah. Facebook is changing, but the groups, I feel like it's like the most thriving thing apart. The thriving aspect of Facebook is the group and it makes sense too they put a lot of weight behind that the last few years so um that's where they're fo- they were focusing they're not focusing their time and energy there now but they were the last three four or five years so it makes sense that they're they're very popular i don't but i don't think that notion of like private social media is going away obviously facebook has been um investing in it but now you've seen other platforms like slack what I mean, slack uh, telegram there's a bunch of them that are really that's what they want to do like discord i mean how many Discord used to be a channel really devoted to gamers and gamers is certainly a huge audience, but like, for example, I, uh, uh am a golfer. I played golf since I was five years old, a huge in the golf thing. There's, uh, a very geeky, uh, discord channel called the golfers journal for golfers. And it's part of a bigger thing where you get this magazine quarterly magazines, whole big thing. But that specific discord channel is a huge part of being a member to that community. And, it's super active. It's just like the Peloton thing. It's like tons of people talking about things all over the country related to golf. That's where the action's at. So yeah. that's, you're going to see, this is part of that. You're going to see more of that here. Huh? It's like the modern day forum, honestly. Yeah, right. Exactly. How is this really any different than a forum? You know, you find a group that you're interested in or you're a part of, and it's just like niching down Facebook rather than just the friends that you're friends with then you have this opportunity to connect with people based on interest. Yep. Yeah. It's getting back to social media's roots really is what it is. Cause it used to be like this. You and I both remember this um, 10, 15, no, 10, 13 years ago, somewhere in there when it started, that's what it was. And then paid got in there and they monetized everything. And it kind of destroyed a little bit of it, but this is getting back to that original, original, what people liked about social media, which mm-hmm. I find refreshing and yeah, actually Facebook groups are, you know, uh, such a cool opportunity. It's kind of a long play. That's what I tell my clients is like, if you're thinking, you know, if we want to create a community, it's a long play. It's not a sales tool. I mean, social media in general shouldn't really be used as a full blown sales tool and in most aspects, unless you're doing paid campaigns, because man, those ads on Instagram are just like killing my bank account right now. Like they're serving me up with the best, like I'm buying everything I see on Instagram. They know me so well, but the the groups are like such a, a long play, but you know, there's even like little logistical things about it. You know, like you don't get caught up in the algorithm unless yeah. you actually go into the group and like cut off notifications or, or snooze it or whatever. 
when you get notifications for stuff and like that stuff is popping up in your feed, I think it's like subjected to like a different algorithm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. I mean, like you said, it's working on you. Like you're buying things on Instagram. So we're part of the problem, right? I know people get so mad about all these targeted ads on social media. I'm like, what are you talking yeah, about? I love it. Right. They're, me too. they're providing me with so many, like, I mean, albeit most of it's like jewelry and clothes and shoes, but they are serving me with products and stuff that I really want. So like, why would you be mad about that? It makes my life easier because they're just like serving it up to me on a silver platter. And I'm like, oh yes, I do like that sweater and I will buy it. Like 100%, 100%. It's made my shopping habits so much easier. Like I, as a guy, like I, I, I know I need to shop for clothes, but I don't like to, unless I'm going with my 15 year old daughter, I like to go to the malls to shop. So you're right. I just, I, I subscribe to my favorite brands and then they send me stuff either on email or Instagram a lot of times, like you said, and then it's like, great, 70% off. Yes, I will buy these things. It makes so much easier. So, well, yeah, I think the community thing is so valuable and it's like making social media more about connecting with others rather than just connecting with the people that you already physically know, you know? Right, yeah, for sure. Well, Eric, thank you. I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I wanted to give you a chance. If anybody wants to connect with you or work with you, tell them how to find you and uh, what's the best avenue. Yeah, thanks for having me again on the show. I appreciate it. Um, you can find me at erichanson.com and my name is spelled kind of funny. It's A-R-I-K Hanson, H-A-N-S-O-N.com. Um, all right, Eric. Well, I appreciate you so much. Um, have a great week and I will talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks again, Whitney. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you thought the info was beneficial, it would mean so much if you take a quick second to write us a review and share it on social media. If you have a question about a topic or a specific industry you want to learn more about, reach out to us on Socialies, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And you can also find me personally, the Whitney Lee on Instagram. We are excited to connect with you and help you make your business more socially relevant. Oh, 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 oh,